0: 80% of B2B buyers want to see or value high quality thought leadership from a vendor. So if they go to the blog and they see really good thought leadership, they value it and it will drive purchase decisions or be a factor in their purchase decision.
1: Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey there, leaders, and welcome back to another episode of Leaders of B2B. Super excited today to have Josh Ingalls on the show from Propeller PR. And uh, really excited to just dive and learn more about uh, Josh's story as well as how to get PR opportunities for your B2B tech startup. They do a ton of work with B2B tech companies, um, do amazing PR work. And so he's going to be sharing a lot today on. Uh, how, as a tech company, you can really get advantage of a lot of these press opportunities, which I know is a goal for every company out there to really get their name out there and uh, get more of that attention. So thank you for coming on here, Josh.
0: Oh, thank you, Jake. It's great to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, for everyone out there who doesn't know who you are and uh, what Propeller is, can you give us the quick um, you know, 90-second overview of just uh, what Propeller is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We do public relations and content marketing for startups. Our whole goal in life is to help these innovative, fast-growing, founder-led companies build up credibility and awareness. By their nature, many of them are not well-known in their industries. They're tackling a problem in HR or in healthcare or in financial services. And it's really important for their prospective B2B buyers, uh, the second B in B2B, to have trust and and believe in them, that they can sort of take that chance and start using this new software product or this new platform that perhaps they didn't know about even a, a day before. Uh, So that's what we focus on. On the PR front, which is about 70% of our revenues today, most of that is seen as media relations, uh, trying to get our clients profiled, quoted, featured, et cetera, trying trying to get their articles accepted. Uh, We also do a lot of award nominations, speaker submissions, and analyst relations. It's sort of in that order, probably. Uh, Certainly media relations is the biggest. And then on the content marketing side, we're generally running our client blogs for them or owning a lane of it, like maybe the evergreen content or the sales enablement content, that sort of thing. Some clients, we only do PR. Some we do, some we only do content. And for some, we do both. They go hand in hand so well. They're both about building credibility and awareness. And th- that combines to create this real authority that B2B companies need.
1: Yes, I love that. And that's such a great point um, that you talk about with the buyers. And, and I think this is really the value of. Uh, and maybe this would be a point to dive into, but I think I see a lot of the value, especially in the early days for PR, for B2B, it, it is about the credibility. It's about that ability to be able to put, you know, Inc., Forbes, Entrepreneur, things like these logos on your site, which give you as the small unknown company that that credibility um, and kind of raise your stature. But I, I'm curious, I guess, what do you see as the, the primary value drivers of PR um, for these B2B companies and why most people are hiring you?
0: Yeah, well, so real quick, what I would say, like the Inc and the the entrepreneurs, and, and those are all great as are like the Business Weeks and Wall Street Journals and New York Times. And those are certainly things most PR firms are gonna go for, but especially on the B2B world, don't lose sight of maybe the publications aren't seen, seen as exciting, but they can be really impactful. The ones in your industry, the industry vertical publication. So if you're selling uh, um, marketing technology to lenders, you should be in the credit union publications, the banking publications and blogs and podcasts and all of that. Um, there's often less competition. Other startups aren't generally paying enough attention to those. Uh, so that's a way that you can break through and speak specifically to that buyer and build that authority faster because they see you in the publication that they respect and that they read. But so, in terms of t- to answer the question on the, the value that uh, is provided, you know, one of the things we get a lot from our clients is how do I measure results? Like, how do I know that this is, is, is we're getting something out of out of this? And we answer that in a few different ways. One is correlated results. Uh, so that's we started the PR program and all of a sudden. It just, the the sales team had an easier job of it. We started getting more traffic to our site. We started getting more resumes. Investors started reaching out, whatever all the, there are a variety of different things, but they just started getting easier or better or more. And we can't necessarily point to a specific PR win that did it. It all just sort of happened uh, kind of in conjunction. SEO maybe started getting better, for example. There are causal results. This article ran and then these five prospects came to our door and these two turned into customers and then, okay, well, we paid this much for PR that month. It turned into this much in sales. Like that's a pretty straight ROI decision. That to be honest, is a little bit harder. I think, especially for B2B because so often salespeople are also out there and they're already reaching out to prospects. So was it the PR win that got it or was it the salesperson's efforts or was it marketing's efforts? Who knows really what touch point actually led to the decision. So, uh, but so there's correlated, there's, there's causal, And then the third one is just utilization. And that's how useful were these placements when you got them, uh, this coverage? Whether it's a profile or a contributed article or a quote or an award, like how useful was it? Did you use it in social media? Was it on your site? Was it a handout at a conference? Was it an excuse to email a prospect? Any number, any number of these things, like, or, and if it's coverage around your business itself for the corporate culture there, did it help you recruit? So how useful were these things? So those are the three main buckets. And you can look at each one of them and sort of try to put together a bit of a 360 degree understanding, like, what did I get out of this? But two other things, and these are maybe a little bit cheeky, uh, but one of them is, at the end of a year of PR, look back and are you glad you have it? The results, like, you that doesn't necessarily mean it paid for, it, like, you got the return you wanted but like is there value in PR when you look back yeah i'm glad we got those corporate culture pieces i'm glad we got those product demo pieces i'm glad we got the profile like that all helps us tell our story and so that's one way the other way and this is maybe the really like kind of cheeky one is if it were your pr- competitor or if there was a competitor in your space And they were getting the coverage that you're getting. Would you feel you were falling behind? Would that drive you crazy? Would would that keep you up at night? Would you be calling people up saying, "Hey, why aren't we getting this kind of attention?" Again, I can't point. No one can put a dollar figure on that, but it is. It does demonstrate value. Um, If there was no value in it, no one would feel like their competitor was getting ahead. So all of those things combined uh, sort of play a part. And one other thing I also wanted to mention, uh, so so we don't move past it a lot of very early stage companies i think every company should be doing pr but certainly not every company should be paying for it there's a lot you can do on your own this is you provide your uh, your customers and clients on audience with tons and tons of uh, helpful advice we try to do the same thing with pr and content so a lot of very early stage companies you know until you sort of know what it takes to get a customer to serve a customer to keep a customer I kind of feel like you should be keeping you, any money you have for marketing should go into that sort of thing, versus PR. Generally, not not always the case, and every founders have grown up and they can make up their own minds. But in general, I think PR is something that comes in when you have a broader marketing strategy in place. You probably have a marketing team in the startup world that would be like Series A. I would say of funding. That's when the, the money is really right there for this sort of thing. But there is a ton that Companies can be doing on their own, uh, effectively. And that's really what we talk about on our site once a week, every single Friday, we send out more advice on, uh, mostly on PR, but also on content because there is just so much. And then eventually you're doing it on your own. You raise a series A, there's more opportunity. You, you have other priorities you have to focus on. That's maybe when you bring in an outside firm, I find generally that that's the most successful way to go about it.
1: Nice. I love that. And I love that framework of thinking through, I think a lot of people will kind of put it off or they struggle to see the investment, but it is something where I I know I've been in the position where I felt that my company was superior to some of our competitors, yet they're getting all these press placements. And I I remember I had my my first companies, we were really cool company in this video agency space. We were doing really um, engaging work and our competitors were just like putting out garbage, but they were just cited everywhere. And, And I was just like, how the heck is this happening? And it was just that they were doing better at the promotion side of things. And it, it was really painful to see that. And so I think when you look at that, that's honestly a trigger to, to realize like someone else is getting all the fame, which is ultimately probably leading to, I, knew it, I know it led to projects for them too, and like work yeah, for them. Yeah. So um, it is an interesting angle or way to look at it.
0: Yeah, and we've had clients come to us because of that. We had a client in the tutoring space. It was a tutor marketplace super successful bootstrap company never raised a dime of venture capital 60 or so employees like it was a thriving enterprise like you you don't bootstrap with 60 employees if you're not making money if you're not if you haven't proven it such uh, that it's an uh, effective business and then there was a white combinator company that popped that was a tutor marketplace and they got a lot of coverage at when they popped. this they weren't this tutor marketplace was not a client of ours at the time this is what led them to become a client but they saw this white combinator marketplace company pop and everyone's writing about, oh, this is a great idea, a marketplace for tutors. And their model was exactly what our, our eventual client was already doing and already doing very successfully and not a single article referenced them in it uh, because they had just never been, they had never lifted up their head. Like it would all have been about customer acquisition, customer ac- customer acquisition, they had never lifted up their head to like do things like PR. You know, I think that is something that a lot of companies do run into is, hey, we're just going to do great work and we're going to build a good product and everything's going to come from that. But sometimes the companies that are going out there and talking about themselves more establish that leadership. You can catch up and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lose, um, but boy, if you could be having that kind of attention and that being in the forefront more frequently, it may not be a moat, but maybe it helps dig your moat a little bit deeper, and make it a little bit wider.
1: I love that. And and so let's dive into the, you know, how can these tech companies, you know, get PR if you're wanting to, I know obviously like, you know, I think a PR firm at some level, it becomes a super necessary thing because a lot of founders can't handle this. Yeah. But if companies are wanting to start trying to do some of this on their own, they want to get some wins, yeah. so they want to, you know, get a bit of taste of that. What are some of the things you recommend uh, for tech companies that are wanting to to start to get some PR traction?
0: Start small. Uh, don't think of like, hey, how am I going to do a PR program internal like it, it's easy to make it seem too big yeah uh, like you, you know I and to think you need to allow an awful lot of time to get it started what I typically recommend and I this is like sort of the, the playbook I give to everybody is to just try to maybe put together a list of 10 targets and those targets would be uh, and so thankfully this is all b2b and I think that makes us easier so it's your local market you should just be known in your backyard um, and if you're a startup, maybe that's a little bit harder in San Francisco because there are so many. It's probably e- it's easier in a place like Chicago where we're based and a lot of our clients are Midwest. Um, it's easier in their markets. But just make sure the local folks know who you are. And that's a newspaper, the business journal. A lot of markets have a technology blog or or something like that as well. So just make sure they know who you are. So let's call that three outlets. Let's say you service a particular industry, HR or financial services or whatever. That's another three or four outlets who cover who are in that spot. Let's say you bring something unique to that, like it's CRM for financial services or AI for financial services. That's going to be another two or three outlets that are AI and or CRM or whatever. So you find those, and then also maybe a couple like general technology reporters. Uh, now I know I'm a little over eleven with my count, but or a little over ten. But like TechCrunch or VentureBeat or some of these. And, and reporters who have covered the, the, either financial services or AI or CRM or what have you. Um, so just start with that list. And it's super easy to come up with 10 names, 10 publications. And then you go to each publication and, and you do a search. So like at the at your business journal, do the, a search for the word startup. Who at the business journal is covering startups? that will help you identify who your target should be within the industry vertical search for startup or search for artificial intelligence or crm or whatever it is really that you're you're bringing to that market but just do those keyword searches and then the same thing goes for um you know if you're if there's like venture beat loves to write about ai so who at venture beats writing about financial services companies using ai or financial services startup or Startups using AI for financial services. And so you can find your targets pretty easily that way. And then you just reach out and say, hello, we call it high, not buy. You're just trying to say hi. You're not trying to get them to quote, buy your story. It's just a simple email that says, hey, I've seen your coverage on X. Just show the reporter that you're paying attention and that you're being very intentional about reaching out and authentic. You're not just spamming everybody. I've seen your, your coverage about AI and financial services. And I had to get in touch. I like a little sense of urgency, by the way, when reaching out, like I just saw this article and I had to get in touch. I think that really works. So it's that I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is so-and-so I have a B2B startup doing X, Y, Z. Maybe you include a point or two of your attraction or success or something really interesting about you. And then it's just, I hope I can be a resource for you. It's not, I'd love to talk to you about our business. It's not Trying to pitch some big story, it's just to get on this reporter's radar, just to say hello, and stop at that point, and then uh, do it with all the others. And so now you've done this with like ten people. You will have heard re- back from some of them. And PR firm's dirty little secret is that in the startup world and tech world, reporters love to hear from founders. Uh, they don't have to hear from a PR firm to pay attention. Uh, they really like to hear directly from founders. So reaching out that way works really well. So now you have the ten. And now every few weeks or every month, find another, just like you would in sales with like a drip campaign, find another good reason to reach out and hit those reporters again. Uh, Maybe it's to reference an article that they just wrote that you really loved. Maybe it's to share, oh, hey, we're um, about to close a a funding round. Maybe it's, hey, we're moving into a new market, for example. Uh, But just find find an excuse to stay in front. Then eventually when you're really ready for that story to be told, like, you know, this is the, we're putting our best foot forward now. They already know who you are. There's already some trust. Hopefully there's even a little bit of back and forth uh, between you uh, so that they're one, they react quickly. And two, you don't need to prove anything to them. They already know that you're legitimate. So that's like that initial list. And then I I promise there's a conclusion here, but then uh, the other thing to do is to create Google alerts. And there are also some other tools like Talkwalker, Mention, Uh, there's some paid ones, but you really don't need it, but create Google alerts for keywords relative to your business. Um, It could be competitor names, Uh, it could be AI and financial services, could be CRM CRM and telecommunications, whatever it is, like just find those terms that you, and then like Google send you articles with those terms in them. There will be a lot of false positives. Um, A lot of the pieces aren't going to be really helpful, but every once in a while, you're going to find a perfect reporter to reach out to and say, hey, I just saw your article and I had to reach out my name is so-and-so, and and then you just sort of do that introduction and begin that process. Other thing to do to find good targets is just to look at other companies that are either competitors of yours or are in your space. So a competitor might be another AI and healthcare startup. Others in your space would just be startups in healthcare and see who's on their press pages and click on those articles and see who wrote those articles and reach out and say, hey, I just saw your article about company X. I wanted to reach out and introduce you to me or to my company. And uh so that's that's how you get started. And you know what? At that point, it's really not that difficult. You're going to be building up those relationships. You're staying in front of these reporters. They're going to start seeing you as a resource that they can reach out to when they're working on other stories. And they'll eventually be there, be a very receptive ear when you're ready to tell the story you really want to tell.
1: Nice, I love that. And I love the simplicity of just starting out with 10. I think that's it's really easy to get overwhelmed by this. For sure, um, I remember I, you know, looking even at some place to like do guest posting or stuff or something. It's like easy where it's just like you follow some process and it's like, oh, cool. Here's a list of 500 people you can pitch. And it's just like, <laughs> that's just, just overwhelming. Yeah. You never start or something. And, and, uh, but it, what you're talking about is great. It's just like pick 10. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: And, uh, and the other thing it does is it allows for a real, and this word is way overused, but it allows real authenticity. It's not about spamming. Uh, reporters, uh, there's no shortage of report. Rep- it's one of the things reporters love to do on Twitter is to uh, um, show really bad pitches uh, from from PR people. And I think actually, a lot of times, those pitches are coming from SEO people. I don't think they're always PR people because SEO folks, like they know the value of getting links from an article back to a site. But it's really about understanding who that reporter is. Why did they write that article? Would they be interested in what we're doing and reaching out to them in a very real way? It's not about finding some database, looking for every reporter who covers startups and pitching them blindly because you're a startup. Um, it's really understanding who are they writing about? Why do they write about them? What kinds of stories do they like? Um, what are the elements of the stories that they write? That And can we be a fit? Like, Is there precedent for them to care about what it is we're doing? And, uh, and ultimately it should be kind of fun. Like the, it, the relationships we've built with reporters, whether it's, we're here in Chicago. So whether it's with Crane Chicago Business and the Chicago Tribune or with TechCrunch or with Bloomberg or, you know, these are all reporters we communicate with every day. And the relationships are really fun. Like it's, it's really rewarding to have these relationships. And uh, just like selling to a really great client, pitching a really great reporter is a, is a great experience.
1: Yeah, and I one of the things I find interesting. So I guess being a uh, you know podcast producers now we are often dealing with PR firms um, yeah, whenever we reach out to interview someone. And one yeah. of the things I find very interesting and that I I think is a value add though that a PR firm brings is, you know, we'll reach out to interview someone and they'll put us in touch with their PR firm. And the PR firm pitches us like three to four more people that's on their client roster.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, and so it's like, okay, that PR firm, like they're now, they're building the relationship with us. And this PR firm just starts pitching us people all the time. And I think that's the interesting, I think value add, I guess, like doing it on your own, like you're sharing a cool thing, but with a PR firm, you're getting the existing relationships that you guys already have as well.
0: And so, and so I think that points to like, okay, so you've been doing it on your own. Now we've raised more money or the revenue's coming in. Now we need to maybe kick it up a notch and maybe we should bring in a firm. And that's one of the great reasons is a firm, like there are 12 people at Propeller. We're always out looking for opportunities. An opportunity we find for client X is like, oh, wait, we could do this for client A. Um, whereas if you're only doing it for yourself, you've seen many fewer opportunities. Uh, your universe is much smaller. So that's, I think, Certainly a a good agency can tell stories well, can do things faster, can have fewer hiccups. Like there's certain, yes, hiring professionals to do anything helps. Those things will be done better if you hire professionals. But one of the things that an internal person really can't do as well as an agency is to have that full view of all of the different opportunities. Like like this, like you talk to a podcast host for one client or they reach out to one client and now, as you said, oh, now I have these five other clients. That doesn't happen if you're doing it yourself internally. Um, or, oh, hey, I just found this Bloomberg reporter who wrote about AI, because we had this one AI client in financial services, but oh, they also write this other topic that would be great for this other client. So there are just so many more opportunities a PR firm can bring generally than than you can yourself. But again, what I always tell people is, you can do this yourself. You do not need to hire a PR firm to do PR.
1: Nice, I love that. And so what are, I guess when people are trying to do it themselves, what are some of the other mistakes that they tend to make? You just gave us a great framework um, for how to approach it, but what are some of the mistakes people make?
0: One of them is to look at PR as a transaction and then just do it when you feel you need it. So as I said, like you build this list of 10 and you find reasons to stay in front of reporters um, and to keep that communication. And the R in PR is relations, right? So keep those relationships going. Many people look at PR as they don't do anything, they're quiet for nine months, and then they have an announcement. And then they want to go out and get a big boom out of the announcement. And then they're quiet for six months. And then they go out and they want to boom. And it just doesn't work as well. Um, You can get some coverage. Like I'm not going to say it, it would never work but it's when you have an ongoing relationship and reporters are happy to hear from you. Uh, you get the benefit of the doubt maybe, like there might be an announcement that's not that big of news, but they like you. So like, yeah, I'll do something on this. Whereas if they hadn't ever heard from you or they only heard from you once every nine months or something, they may not. So treating it as like this transaction, that's one of the things. It, it is a relationship and relationships are built on ongoing communication. Another mistake I think that's made is sort of expectations. like. I like the idea of going into an interview. You you don't go in an interview, uh, what we don't like to do is like, oh hey, this is great. When will the article run? Um, I don't ask. Like we we advise our clients not to ask. Really, it could just be a a discussion. Like that's how you should approach it. Mutually beneficial discussion between two people who have share, share an interest. Obviously, most interviews lead to an article. You don't need to ask about it. Um, And I think it just sort of dirties up the relationship a little bit. It suggests that you're only doing it because you want an article to result. And so that would be one. And then another is a lot of people who don't have much PR experience, they demand a little too much from the reporter, like, Hey, can I have, can I look at the article before it runs? Uh, Can I have quote check? All of these different things, and uh, you know, most publications they don't have the staff to do it. Um, they can't be fact checking every article. They can't be sharing every every article before it runs. And that maybe would be another reason to have a PR firm is for better preparation going into the interview, so you have don't have those concerns about screwing it up or saying the wrong thing or. Not being clear, like with good preparation, you can have like these are the three things I want to talk about, or and and just these different tips and techniques to on on how to uh, uh, make sure that the what the reporter gets from you is compelling, clear, and concise.
1: Yes, I love that, and when, and you're hitting on another great point here that I like to elaborate on is how can you prepare for an interview or an opportunity here to try to make sure you get the most out of it and leverage it? And Mm -hmm. you just gave us some mistakes to avoid, but what do you recommend for people to prepare to go into an interview?
0: Well, so one of them is to think about the headline you want, and not necessarily even like the headline of the article, because you might just be getting interviewed on a bigger trend piece. Like someone's doing something on venture capital in Chicago's B2B startups. And They're not going to, it's not a profile of you. Maybe there'd be a prominent mention or something, but it could just be a couple quotes. But think of what's the headline you want your quote to be. Uh, Like what, so think headline first and then all the details. So that's one thing. And then the headline first approach also works if you're talking to a reporter and they're like, hey, tell me about your company. Do not start with like, well, we started back in 2011 when me and my friend were working at this company and we had this idea and then we blah, blah, blah. Lead with the headline. We are changing how HR gets done through AI or whatever that phrase is, and then you can start building onto. And it's sort of like the sports page. If you read an, art, if you go to the sports page and you read, you know who won or lost the game immediately, and then there's more and more detail as you read that article. And by the end of it, sometimes it's just like, "And Anthony Rizzo hit a double in the second inning." Uh, they're just throwing in details just to fill in all the the column inches that they need. And so that's one of the real things. Is like, don't get into all the nitty gritty. Don't tell. Don't lead with where you, where your address is, or how many employees you have, or the foundings. Like, there's time for all of that stuff. Lead with the big picture. This is what we're all about. That's also true for like, hey, tell me about yourself. Hey, congratulations on the funding round. Before we get in, like, what can you tell me about yourself? Lead with that headline. I I had a client once. He was a, a founder of an online broker, and he would his headline was, "I'm a customer's man." Like that's just how he started. Like, because he was an operations guy, a customer service guy. Like that was just that had always been his background. So he would start, "Look, I'm a customer's man. So that's my perspective on everything." That was his headline, and then he would go into the details, whatever the question was. So I think that's th- those. are a couple things to, and, and we have a whole media training deck that that we walk clients through and that we can make available if anyone wanted it. Uh, so there are a variety of other techniques, but so speaking headlines is certainly is one of them, and then maybe the other one would just be. Really, be familiar with that reporter's work, uh, and I don't mean read. Go back and read a year's worth of articles, but like, see what they're writing about. See what sort of the nature of what they're writing. Uh, get a sense for what they find helpful and useful, and that that will be rewarded. They'll know that you did it. They'll be more likely to use uh, what you have to say. So, I think those would there. There are a lot of different ways that you can make make interviews uh, more successful, but I think those those would be two of them.
1: Nice speaking headlines. I love that. That is uh, memorable. And just a great one there, and that is uh, this is great. I, I feel like I'm getting some media training right here on the call, so that's phenomenal. <laughs> and also, like,
0: and, and so, and speaking of details, like throughout this call, I've said we have 12 employees. I didn't lead with we're a. We have 12 people. I've mentioned we're in Chicago. I didn't. I don't think I led with that we're in Chicago. I led with we do PR and content for startups. Like that's the headline. And I think a lot of companies, you know, that's that's the 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 right kind of approach uh, in most cases. That's what people will hopefully be left with. All the other details are great, but there are going to be lots of opportunities to share those uh, throughout an interview.
1: Yeah, that was one thing I will say. As as soon as I asked you a question, I was just like, "Wow, he's pro." Like this response is is like <laughs> is pro. Like you're you're prepared, and that that then you listen to so many. I do a ton of these podcast interviews, and not everyone is like that, and so you you can tell the difference. Between someone who's media trained and someone who's not, and uh, you know, you can get great interviews out of both. But I think, in terms of yeah. benefit for the person appearing on the interview, being media trained is going to help you get those key points across.
0: Yeah, and that's a good good point also because I, I do want to say you can ahead of an interview, an agency should help plot this out. Like, what are the questions? What are the expecting questions? And some of that might be sometimes reporters will share, hey, I want to talk about these five things. Other times they don't, but you can kind of figure it out just from common sense and your awareness of the of the world. And so going into an interview, I would take some time and think, okay, what are the most likely questions? So tell me about your company. Tell me about yourself. What's your story? Whatever. And how do you want to answer those questions? I think that's also, that, that's also something that's very important going into any interview, just like you would if you were a Going to sell some big enterprise, you know, fortune 500 company, or you were going in to pitch yourself to, to, for a big job, um, you would have like, okay, what are the questions I'm going to be asked and how do I want to answer? Um, and in most cases you can probably get about 90% of the way there in terms of what questions am I going to get? And so, uh, that, that would be another, another recommendation.
1: Nice. That's just incredible. Well, you know, as we wrap up here, is there any other final advice that you would give to a tech company looking to kind of just Build up their PR initiative, or try to get more. Any other final pieces of advice here?
0: Yeah, so you know Edelman, which is this giant PR. Actually, they're more than just a PR firm now; they do everything. But Edelman is a really giant firm. They're so big, they're not a competitor of ours, uh, so I find talking about them. But they do a big study, and I think they do it. I don't think it's every year; maybe it's every other year. But it's a thought leadership study, and I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, and I really should because I reference the study all the time. But it's something like eighty percent of B two B buyers want to see or value high-quality thought leadership on a uh, from a vendor. So if they go to the blog and they see really good thought leadership, they value it, and that can help drive, and, and it will drive purchase decisions or be an, a factor in their purchase decision. But something like 40-plus percent, I think, is were the numbers of B2B buyers penalize firms with bad thought leadership. So it's not just putting good content on your site, and it's not just like being out there and contributed articles and publications with just words, you know, for maybe SEO purposes or vanity purposes. If you're really putting out good thought leadership that informs, educates, et cetera, it will be rewarded. So the reason I bring that up is one of the, it's not the easiest PR thing in terms of time, but it can be in terms of getting uh, a success. A lot of industry publications like B2B publications uh, for an industry vertical say, are looking for contributed articles on important topics. Now they can't be promotional, but they could be about how AI will revolutionize banking or how uh, machine learning will change healthcare. Like they can be things like that, but they can't be really promotional about the author's business. But you can go to those publications and say, with an idea for a story, hey, I have this idea. I'd love to write about how AI, is sort of the opportunities of uh, for AI in financial services. Here are some of the points that I would make. Is this the kind of thing that you'd be interested in? You don't have to write the article first. You can just share the idea. Uh, and it's easy to find an editor at one, these publications. They have a contact page. Um, it's very simple to find their emails. So just go direct and say, I have this idea for an article. What do you think? What would you need for me to consider this idea more? And mostly, most of the time, these editors go, oh, hey, I love that idea. I'd love it. You know, our contributed articles are between 800 and 1,200 words. And you know, we review these every two weeks or whatever. They'll give you the guidelines. And then you just follow through. And Maybe you have someone, maybe you can write it, maybe someone on your team can write it, maybe you hire a freelancer uh, to step in and do it. Uh, but contributed articles, really, really great way to get thought leadership going in the, some of those industry trade publications. And uh, they can it can be among the easier opportunity to get because there's a real demand for good content. It just takes a little bit more time because you have to write the darn thing. <laughs> it's not just hopping on the phone with someone for a 30 minute interview. But, uh, so that would be, I think that's like a really quick and easy way to get started, uh, with the industry trade publications, uh, that, uh, for your, the, the ones that your clients read.
1: Awesome. I love that. Well, this has been absolutely incredible, Josh. And so if anyone wants to go learn more and uh, find out more about propeller, uh, read the content, get signed up for the tips that you guys are putting out about how to get PR, where's the best place to go to find you and uh, propeller online?
0: Well, so Propeller is the word Propeller, but no E's. I had a friend who joked that, oh, he goes, he said, what, you couldn't afford him? Uh, so uh, Propeller is a very non-unique name for a marketing firm. There are a lot of Propellers out there, but we dropped the E's. Um, so we're P-R-O-P-L-L-R.com, Propeller.com. Uh, all of our, our blog content is easily found, or you can just go to blog.propeller.com. And anytime you move your, once you're on the blog page and you move your cursor up to the URL, it's going to pop up and say, Hey, do you want to subscribe? And so that's a, the quickest way uh, probably to subscribe. And any of your listeners can also email me. Um, I do office hours for people all the time, just as like part of the, the job. And, the, uh, and so if anyone wants office hours, they can just email me at josh at propeller.com. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, schedule a time to sit down and learn what they're, what they're dealing with and how I can help. Uh, and, and those office hours are generally like very similar to what we've talked about here today. Hey, here's how you can get started, or here's how you write that first pitch. Here's how you suggest an article, or here's how to look at your own story and find the compelling parts of it. I do that kind of thing for, for founders and marketers all the time.
1: Nice. I love that. That's incredible. and Very, very cool idea. I may have to try that out. So,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Josh, thank you again for taking the time to come on here. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jake. And I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. So this is uh really exciting to be on here. I appreciate the opportunity to to talk to you and your, your listeners.
1: Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.